outside founders, but successful people that you've seen in finance, CFOs, they've all had that experience of big. They've all seen what scale looks like. They've all seen what it means to be a public company, right? And then they take that skill set and then they go downstream to smaller, good business models with high growth, like Popdesk, and scale. And it's those people in that organization that really bring that organization to the next level. In the world of business finance, things change fast. Welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance, a show where today's finance innovators discuss what the future holds. Learn from experts in the field as they explore emerging finance trends, insights, and more. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the leading accounts payable automation platform. With Stamply, collaborate easily and efficiently with invoice approvers, vendors, and anyone involved with purchases. This helps you quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com. Greetings, welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance. My name is Ben Murray, and I'd like to welcome Nick Garastatos, Chief Accounting Officer at TalkDesk. Welcome, Nick, to the show. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be part of Leaders of Modern Finance and part of this podcast and looking forward to our discussion. Excited to have you here. So let's kick this off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and TalkDesk. So I am the SVP Chief Accounting Officer here. I've been with the company for about 10 months and pretty much running all of finance in terms of accounting, tax, shared services, trying to help scale the company, become ultimately a, a public company. And I've been in the profession for about 25 years, started my career with PwC, spent a good chunk of those years in London helping companies go public. When I left PwC, I spent the next 10 years doing large multinational public companies in a controllership role for companies like MasterCard, Anheuser-Busch, and decided to make my life a little bit interesting and got into this VCP game about helping companies scale, prove out business models, and kind of floated between CFO and CAA roles between startups and large enterprise PE-owned companies. So been doing this for a while. Right, we'd like to start these talking shop about your department and yeah. a little bit about talk decks in the stage so we can understand where you are in your stage of the business, because that really kind of dictates, say, your structure, team size, all that good stuff. So tell us a little bit about TalkDesk, if you can share employee size, AR size, just to get a feel for the scale of, of TalkDesk. Sure. We're 2,000 people fully and around, I would say, maybe 200 million ARR, give or take, and grown. We've been growing significant double digits over the last three years. So our scale has been tremendous in this space. We are expanding internationally and just continuing to upscale our product for our customers that are in this sort of contact center customer experience space. Okay. And tell us a little bit about your team. What departments are you responsible for at TalkDesk? My team is essentially accounting, which is all facets of it. So it's, it's corporate accounting, international, domestic. It is encompasses tax. It encompasses all the shared services, which I define as GL, AR, AP, payroll, commissions, all the international compliance, and soon to be SOCs and internal controls. Mm-hmm. So that right now is the scope of my team. Okay. Yeah. Pretty big scope. Do you know that overall team size for all the departments? Yeah. So our team is give or take 60 right now among all the departments, some a little bit more robust than others. We are starting to scale up. Usually in in software, my experience has been, especially if you're working in startups, a lot of investment goes into sales and product, Mm -hmm. right? It should be. On back office, 
gets invested on a, on a trail. So as we've had this tremendous growth in the company, we're now growing the back office as well to, to keep pace with our customer needs and our internal needs bigger. Yeah, no, I mean, a big company right now, 2,000 employees to handle that. So yep. 60 staff, accounting, all facets of accounting, tax shared services, compliance, SOX compli- coming up here. So yeah, good size department to handle the structure and probably the scale as fast as you're growing. So really interesting. So next, board reporting, right? Maybe monthly, quarterly. I'm curious about that, Keynes, but what numbers are important to TalkDesk and, and what numbers do you communicate to the board? Well, board reporting has different facets to it, right? There, there is a, We have an FP&A team, right, that, it, that is run by extraordinary smart individuals that really look at the business from all things analytical, right? ARR, net retention rate, customer retention rate, and we also have the gap, right? And then the non-gap to gap differences and things like that. When I report to the board, I report things that relate to the financial infrastructure of the company and the gap numbers, right? So things that that I will look at is the quarterly reporting and the full year reporting, right? Anything that's happening in the technical world that impacts the business from a, from a structure perspective. We talk about tax, tax structure, our international rollout plan, the things we talk about, as well as where we see movements in, in, in account drivers that drive the business, for example, revenue, AR collection, right? Our, how fast do we go from order to cash, right? And look at, look at that cash flow cycle, order to cash, look at where we have either headwinds or tailwinds in terms of process so we can kind of figure out where we can improve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are the things that kind of report on, of course, team, team structure, team development, scaling, being able to handle volume, especially as you grow international with different rules. So it, it encompasses a lot on the financial operations, right? And while well, as FP&A focuses more on the financial metrics on how we're doing from a numerics perspective, right? Yep. And it's a big distinction because when you need to understand both sides of the house to kind of do these roles effectively and efficiently, because you really need to understand the business driver as well as understanding how gap can applies to that. And the one thing I'll share with you, Ben, is I try to make the organization be a finance partner versus an accounting technical team, because it's a big difference. Yes, you got to do the technical. Yes, you got audits. Yes, you have to do all the compliance, right? Especially if you become public, that's all paramount. But but you can also help the business in, in understanding those requirements where you can help structure deals and help guide the business to where it's a win-win for everybody and it makes it seamless where the office becomes just a part of a process that provides value in in terms of deal structure otherwise you're just a compliance group at the end of it saying no all the time right definitely yeah being a tough spot it's always a tough spot being a business partner key to any department really and that's tell with your size and scale and growth i'm guessing you have quite a few tools and systems that are powering your accounting operations so so tell us a little bit about the tools in in your tech stack yeah systems are paramount right and what you'll find in in startups because i i worked with companies less than 10 million to companies over 40 billion right and it's a different tech stack <laughs> right where you, where system and automation doesn't help you 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 have to augment with manual labor right people right or or things just get done and you just prioritize what is important and you miss out on a lot of other analytical aspects of of reporting 
But we're on a NetSuite stack for from our ERP. Okay, that is that is what we use predominantly. We just actually implemented Workday, so we, we also use that for our HRMS system. We have Coupa for our AP system. Mm-hmm. So those are those are some of the things we're, we're using. We have Carta for our stock administration, and we have for billing we have Zora. I will say as companies could scale and grow and move internationally, you always have to assess your tech stack. You always have to assess whether or not, you know, you're either you're working for a system or the system works for you, right? And sometimes when you build things out of the box, you wind up working for a system versus the other way around. So Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do here as we're looking at this, as we look to our next phase is we're trying to make systems work for us, right? So we're doing some some augmentation of our processes, of our systems, layering in some new new tools to really automate the function, right? So where our people can then go into a review mode, adding value, looking at opportunities to to make the company better versus compiling data, Uh right? And a lot of accounting teams I've seen in startups do a lot of compiling data. And talk to us, we're trying to move away from that, right? Because yeah. a lot of good people working, but trying to pull together information requires effort without great system support. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of key systems there, large orgs scaling fast. Yeah. So that all makes sense. All right, let's dive into your career because you've had a long career in finance and accounting, and it looks like it started out in P- at PwC. So tell us a little bit about your journey. And it looks like maybe in accounting, maybe over to the CFO, CFO role, then back to accounting. So tell us kind of how your, your career progressed from the PwC days. Started with actually Coopers and Librand, and then got acquired by, you know, and then they merged with PW, so became a PwC person. Great fundamental foundational upbringing. Right. If you're going to be in this space, you want to be in accounting, go into a big four and the amount of money they invest in people and training and the and the client and the client diversity that you see has been foundational in terms of understanding books and records. Like how do book and records get done? How do how do you report the technical aspects of it, the industry knowledge of it? You work with really smart people. I was privileged to be part of their global capital markets group that helped companies go public. So we did a bunch of IPO works during the dot boom phase and really spent good five, six years living abroad, helping companies scale, go public and really work with bankers to understand what really drives financials and how they interweave with the business thesis. From there, I went into the corporate accounting side and served in several controllership roles for large multinational companies. Now, making that transition from public to to private, if you will, was also developmental because you actually learn finance operations. When you kind of get out of public accounting, you usually get financials that are sort of been through the ringer by the client and you get kind of end product results that you make into a, a better product. When you're in when you're in industry, you have to develop those finance financials. You have to like understand where information comes from, how is it reviewed, how is it vetted, what are the processes. So you really get into the wiring of of how information gets pulled together. And when you start working for large public companies, in my view, you kind of see companies that are public, that have systems built, that have processes built. So you kind of really learn like best practice, right? Because at that level, you're taking something that's at a 90, 95% level of of efficiency, and you're trying to find that extra two, three, 4% to make it that much better and handle new new acquisitions or new activities that the business is doing 
but you're really working for with bright people who have scaled, who have these things sort of pretty much developed. And let's let's dive yep. into that for a second because yep. I've been in big public companies, then sure. small companies, yep. and you mentioned this a couple times. So whether public or not, but just very yep. large companies, because a lot of people listening, hey, they're starting their career in accounting and finance. Right. Should I go that smaller route, private route? Should I jump to a public large company? So what right. do you see as the pros and cons with going to a large company? We're talking billions and billions in revenue, whether public right. or private. The one thing that people should understand is you're going to go through a transition leaving public accounting, right, into mm-hmm. private. Now, maybe the person that's been in public accounting for a year might not be a big of a transition step. But for those that have been, for, for those who have their first job as being public and they've been there five, six, seven, 10 years plus, you're going to experience a transition, right? Because public accounting, especially being your first job, really do wire you in a certain way in terms of looking at accounting, it's the most important thing. You're working for an A-level firm, working with smart people, encourage openness and transparency on discussing issues, right? And then you go into private and now you get into the operational bits, dealing with, okay, how does the sausage really get made, right? And it's a different skill set, right? And and for those who are thinking about jumping, the one thing I would say, and depending on where you are in your career, right, is, is how much of development you need to make in terms of what you're really looking for. If you're looking to get into controllership, if you're looking to get into finance operations, going into a large public company on the onset is probably a good step because what you'll get there is you'll get a, you'll get a learning and a training and you'll have management layers to help you develop, right? You, you have processes there. You, you might be doing a piece of it, but then you get to see what, what happens around it in terms of the department, understanding how to move a bigger ship and what needs to be in place to get that ship to move. And that experience at that scale does lead to a wider understanding of the complexity it is to really produce financials, understanding how to operate with senior leaders, your communication style, your team development, right? How to, how to get people to do stuff that they don't want to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. All that. When you go into private, private is more, when you go into non-public, private, private startup, and depending on the level you're at, if you're at a junior level, you're going in with, you're kind of going in with, you're figuring it out as you go. And there's opportunity for that. There's a learning for that. There is a, there is a path for that, but it is a harder path. In, in my view, because the, the people that I've seen that, that do that, you can still see they need development to kind of get to next levels, right? Where Whereby they get pigeonholed into doing a function, right? If yeah. you're a little more senior, right? And you're looking to kind of get into operations and really drive and going into a small startup, then that will give you the challenge you need to really understand how all of it works together at a smaller scale, right? Yeah. I had a TPG partner tell me it's very hard. It's very hard going from small to big, right? So if you start off small, it's very hard to get into bigger companies at the same level just because of the dynamics. And usually the people that I've seen that have been successful in outside outside founders, right? But successful people that you've seen in finance CFOs, they've all had that experience of big right? They've all seen what scale looks like. They've all seen what it means to be a public company, right? Then they take that skill set and then they go downstream to to smaller 
good business models with high growth, like Puckdesk, and scale. And it's those people in that organization that really bring that organization to the next level, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes sense. And that's another good point. Going big to small, small to large, there's transitions there. Sometimes it doesn't work out either way, depending on your skill set and personality and what you're accustomed to. And large companies, very mature processes. I was in large companies in FP&A, so a lot to learn where it's great. And then, yeah, you can make that jump to small and implement those systems, those tactics that you learned at larger companies. So I'm curious, you've had a track, chief accounting officer, big role at TalkDesk, but you also had a role as CFO. So I'm curious, a lot of experience on the accounting side, any advice for those who are looking to jump from accounting, say over to FP&A or say a high level accounting position, now they're ready to go to that CFO position. So I'm curious if for those folks listening who've been on that accounting track, that to make that transition over to finance or CFO or FP&A. Yeah, it's been, take my journey as as a data point, as hopefully as a happy to help people understand the path I've gone through. I could have easily stayed in big controllership roles, working for large global 50 companies controllership and and sat in that role and, and done well. But I wanted to really understand the business side of it, right? Really understand how to make business models work, how to scale. And you can get really comfortable doing a controllership role for large public companies once once you understand that business model and how data flows, that it's a cushy job. And, and one other opportunity I had with interviewing to a different group, right? Someone mentioned that most CEOs that they interviewed really have stayed with one or two companies for most of their careers. I've, I've jumped around a bit, right? And part of it in every jump was to learn a different aspect of finance, right? And for me, that works well. It's a challenge, it's change. I did not want to get just pigeonholed, just doing one job forever. I wanted to expand. So, so what have I learned? Over the years, CFOs kind of went from went from being sort of CPA driven financial controls, financial reporting, right? Understand the numbers, reporting the numbers, right? So you've seen a bunch of controllers become CFOs several years ago. It still happens now, right? There's still evidence of that, right? But over the last couple of years, you've also seen a lot of bankers become CFOs, right? And and they become more business partners, business strategists, right? Understanding financial, financial forecasts, where the company's going. So the role of the CFO has evolved over the years because CEOs and the board are looking for industry leaders, are looking for people that can help manage and guide through a financial market. Bankers have Wall Street connections, right? So if you need fundraising money, that, that's a great skill set. And, and where I found positives in my career is your numbers, right? You really understand the inner workings of a company, being able to build an efficient process, ensure like here are the metrics around that company and drive where that exposure in the controllership realm doesn't give you into the investor relations realm right i got out of controllership and got into the cfo roles for smaller companies to give me access to business analytics fpna if you will treasury tax so you start hitting all the other facets to really understand the entire scope of what it really means to run a finance department for an organization and then try to scale from that, right? And for those who want to become a CFO, uh, I will tell you that having the CPA 
controller ship under your belt is something most CFOs do not have, and it's an advantage. It is a, it, it will help you. However, you also have to get out of that comfort zone, right, and get into FP&A, investor relations, even if it means a different title, and maybe not the title you have, even if it means a different, different level and, and comp. Right. Because uh-huh. that experience will round you out as a finance professional to understand both. Now, some big companies call it GE, for example, that have these management programs that kind of move you from department to department is a great way to go. Right. What you see, I'm based in California here in San Francisco. What you see here is also you see people moving jobs. Right. To kind of get that different experience because internally there's no path. Right. So you see that a lot. Actually, it's happening right now with the great resignation. Right. And people moving around. But if you want to go to the CFO track, that's a track. If you want to really understand controllership, scale, CAO, and really help deliver scale at a global size, then take bigger controllership jobs along the path. Mm. Right? I manage teams up to 250 people globally and, and ran billion-dollar departments. I think for me, I realized that I'm really good at a certain size companies where where my skill set and my experience really adds a lot more value than maybe the, the zero to 10 million startup, right? Um, that's a different skill set. And, and I've learned through doing, really. Yep. So, yeah, and there's a, th- yep. yeah, great yep. point. Yep. And really, and I was early on in my career, so anxious, right? To move to that next role, to get promoted. But sometimes... Mm-hmm curious about your thought. It just takes time and seat. Just that experience, experiencing different leadership, management styles, different situations that sometimes you just need to gain that experience so you can deal with so many different situations down the road when you're in a leadership leadership position. And that's why I think like public accounting is good because you do deal with different personalities and different clients and different ways of doing things. I always said for every year, for every year in public accounting, it's probably three years at corporate in terms of promotional level, right? Just the way it kind of works out. I, I do believe in see it, do it, teach it, right? And and sometimes I'm hesitant with that, that when people jump a, a year, then a year, then a year, right? To no fault of their own sometimes, but you really have to be in a company for a number of years to really understand how influential you are, whether you've really learned a function and whether or not you can leave it and go run something different, but taking the leadership principles and the foundation that you built because you now have had that training, right? And then when you're with a company for, someone has to have a foundational experience, right? I've I've been with this company for five, 10, 10, 13 years. That's going to be foundational. People with one year, one year, one year, one year, at some point they got to ground themselves to kind of build something, right? So so I would be I would worry about people who jump too much too soon. Again, things that they can't control. I get it, but pick a business model, pick a company, pick people that. I think the one errors that I did when I was in when I was younger is, the the function is pretty fungible. You can do accounting anywhere, right? You can understand what the technical rules are for that particular industry, but most of the functions are repeatable no matter what industry you're in, right? Like AP is AP, right? They are, right? But company culture is something not to be underestimated, right? Because the function of the job, you can get your head around, you've been doing it, you understand it. 
but how does the company make decisions? How is the relationship with you and your boss, right? How's the boss relationship with their peer group? How does the management team function together as a team, right? Understanding that, which is always hard in an interview, I think it should have equal weighting as understanding the role itself. Because you get an environment where you blend in and it's a good culture fit, chances are you're going to excel in that environment because it matches to your own natural personality. Yeah, culture, a big thing. And you mentioned something there, which is a great segue into our last question here about maybe different industries, different business models. But you have experience in several different industries. You mentioned MasterCard and Anheuser-Busch now in software. So how do you have to adapt your accounting skills to that? Because you mentioned, hey, AP is the same everywhere. But what are things for those controllers listening right now where it's like, I actually had to learn maybe new technical accounting or new skills to adapt to this new industry? Yeah, I, I think recently I try to focus more on on tech, given where I am in my career, and just try to just focus on one. But if you're young and inspiring, a couple of thoughts. One is you're trying to get you're trying to get financial operation experience. You're really as a controller, you're really trying to close books, right? So how do you close books effectively, efficiency, and doing that in different environments? And at PwC, I was both tech and manufacturing, so hence some of the experience I've had in my earlier career, is manufacturing is very different from tech. Very different processes, very different P&L metrics, balance sheet, right? And so the more diverse of experience you have in understanding different ways of doing things, different ways of getting to a result, understanding when when people come to you with questions, because of my experience, I'm pretty confident I can pretty much answer a lot of questions that come my way at different levels of finance. Or, and if I can't answer it, I kind of know where to resource it, who to go to and what questions to ask. So I was going to tell my team is I might not be an expert in this, but I know enough to, I know enough to, to, uh, to be dangerous, right? Yeah. Find the right person. So, or yeah. right? So I think, I think that that foundational experience and understanding operations. Now, if you do it for a tech company, go into another tech company and become like, okay, I've been in tech my whole career. That's not going to hurt you either, right? But for me, I mixed it up a bit because I wanted the diversity and skill and business and business models to get to get experience on how do different people do it in different ways. Yep. And I think that's proving fruitful now in my career now because I have that experience to draw from. Yep. But my path is unique, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not for everybody. Yep. Yeah, no, great point. Not for everybody. And then Nick, really appreciate you sharing your accounting and finance experience today. Amazing journey so far, still continuing. But to wrap up, one final piece of advice. What what piece of advice would you give to modern finance leaders listening to this podcast today? Always be learning. I, I think in this day and age right now, whether you're in, whether you're no matter what industry you're in, right? The like the technology aspect of what we do in accounting is is growing tenfold right you have so much before for example before i i want to i want an account system i go to oracle it's one platform they give me everything i need i do oracle or do sap right now you got netsuite right so now you got a bunch of other boutiques you got workday in it you have what's another one that's coming up financial force is another one right so you got now you have now you have other companies coming into the space providing accounting services. And now you got this sort of bespoke sort of ecosystem of different layers of accounting services. If you're getting into the operations, really try to understand what each of them do, 
right? And and what works and what works for you and try to constantly learn because as time goes on and as these, as, as the front office and the business gets more automated, technology becomes a bigger part of our day, understanding how you can introduce tech to accounting and, and automate and leverage that is going to really help you become a more business partner and a more efficient controller in in completing and closing books. And, and I think that probably applies to all levels. And then have a clarity on what you really want to do in this space. So finance can open a lot of doors, as, as you mentioned, Ben, right? You can go the CFO route, the controllership route. People left and what I've seen now in companies like, like Flow, Flowcast, for example, which is an, another, it's a tool for account reconciliation, SOX compliance, things like that. They're hiring accountants, but they're putting them into sales, uh-huh. right? Right. So there's paths like that, right? That are companies that are doing right now to kind of reach out to the industry and, and help with transition to automation. So a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, that's great advice. And to sum it up, always be learning, which is always great advice. So Nick, again, thank you for joining us today, sharing your career experience. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at stamply.com slash leaders of modern finance. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the most powerful way to process and pay invoices. Stamply is the only accounts payable automation software that centers communication on top of the invoice so that accounts payable collaborates better with approvers, vendors, and anyone involved in purchases to quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.